Lucky Land slots, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle of a series called Chasing Carrots. And uh, what Chasing Carrots is all about is about the constant pursuit of more, the constant pursuit of more. In our lives, we often have things that we try to pursue, and uh, we call them carrots. It could be a better job, better paying job. It could be more money. It could be a house, a newer house, a bigger house, a cleaner house. Well, that's up to you. Um, it could, be, uh, it could be a new car, maybe a newer car, maybe a car that's just out of the, uh, the 1990-something. You just want something in the 2000s, right? I remember when I first got my car out of the 2000s, I thought, I am high rolling now. We're going. It was just last year. So anyway, uh, chasing carrots is all about the endless pursuit of more. Whatever more is, whatever more looks like to you, that's what this series is all about, about what we can do to find balance in the pursuit of more. And we've been using the carrots as kind of the symbol for what that looks like because all of us are pursuing something. All of us are in pursuit of something. Some of you are in the pursuit of a relationship. You're in a pursuit of a relationship that's functional, that's not dysfunctional. And, and so you want a relationship. Now, I don't know of too many people that want to pursue more relationships, but there are some crazy people out there that do. But we're all in a pursuit of something in life. And uh, so this series is all about the constant pursuit of more. There's a story of a, a man who owned a restaurant. And he was, a, he was at one time one of the strongest men uh, in that community. He had this amazing grip-like strength. And so um, what he did is he put up a $100 wager. Anybody that could take, and after he took a lemon and squeezed all the juice of it, anyone who could squeeze one more drop out of that lemon would get 100 bucks, $100 for squeezing one more drop out of that lemon. People came and went. Over all the years, he won. He never had to pay out the $100. One day, uh, this man walked in, and he was, in a, he was in a suit. He had a pocket protector on. He had glasses on, and he had his hair combed real nice and neat. And he walked in, and he said, hey, I, uh, I see that you're giving a $100 wager for anybody who could squeeze one drop out of the limit after you squeeze in. He said, yeah, that's been going on for years. No one has, to this day, ever beat me. He said, I'd like to try. The restaurant started laughing. <laughs> this guy's, I mean, he's just a scrawny guy. And the, the restaurant said, okay, you want to try? We'll try. So he gets a lemon, and the restaurant owner takes, and he squeezes that with one hand. He squeezes every bit of juice out of the can. He, when he's done, it's nothing but just the, just the shell of the lemon just sitting there, just nothing left. And they're all looking at this scrawny guy, and they're thinking, there's no way that guy's going to get anything out of that lemon. So the little guy steps up, and he looks at it, and he goes, he squeezes, squeezes, and one drop falls out into the glass. The place is like, 
what? Oh my gosh, how in the world did this happen? You know, did, did the restaurant already lose his strength over the years? What is going on? How did he win? And all of a sudden, the restaurant said, listen, I got to ask before I give you the 100. What do you do for a living? You got it. What do you do? Are you a bodybuilder? Are you secretly working out behind the scenes? What do you do? He said, no, I work for the IRS. Some of you get that at lunchtime. So we're talking about the constant, the endless pursuit of more, chasing carrots, chasing here, chasing there, going for more of this or more of that. Uh, I need more. I need more stuff. I need more things. I need more money. I need more bigger stack. And so we're talking about the constant pursuit of more. And where we're getting this at is uh, I've been trying to encourage you guys to let you know that we already have more. As Americans, we have a lot more. We have way more than what we ever will really need. We are really blessed. And everybody that believes that says we're blessed as Americans, right? Live in the greatest country, the greatest country on this planet. We are so greatly blessed. We already have a lot more just by living here in America. But we've been looking at a couple of scriptures that, that Paul was writing to his, uh, his fellow minister, Timothy, who was a pastor of a church. And uh, he's telling Timothy some instructions. He's trying to help Timothy be a good pastor, trying to help him direct and instruct the people he's shepherding well. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he gives some instructions. So I want you to do me a favor. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning as we read God's word? And it's going to be kind of one of those things we've been reading every single week, kind of our key verse that kind of goes through here. Here's what it says. It says, command those who are rich in this world, present world, not to be arrogant nor to put up their, their hope and wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So Paul is saying, listen, there's going to be wealthy people among you. There's going to be people who have money, who have resources. When they come in, please instruct them not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in their wealth, but to understand that their wealth is given them for their enjoyment, but also for something else. And here's what verse 18 says. Verse 18 says, command them to what with their wealth? Do good with it, to be rich in good deeds, to do and be generous and live beyond your means. Uh, be generous and willing to what? Say it with me. Willing to share. Verse 19 says this. It says, and in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age that's in heaven so that they may take hold of the life that is truly what? That is truly life. Father, help us today to hear your word, to be challenged by it, encouraged by it, built, made better by it, God. Let your word speak to the depths of our soul in a constant pursuit, in a, constant, in a world where the pursuit of more is everywhere. Teach us how to be humble, how to be blessed with what you've given us, and how to use it to bless others, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Over the last several weeks, I've taught you a couple things. I'm going to touch base about what I've taught you. I've taught you my first week, there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is you're rich. The bad news is you're rich. Uh, then you say, well, what does that mean? Well, the good news is, if you realize today that if you make $30,000 a year, just $30,000 a year, combined household income, solo income, doesn't really matter, $30,000 a year, you're in the top 4% of wage earners in the world. 4%. If you make $45,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. Now, some of you sit there and say, 
well, I don't feel like I'm in the top 1% of wagers in the world. I don't feel like I make that kind of money. And the reason is because the good news is you're rich. It means you get to do good things with your money. You get to enjoy some things in life. For example, um, how many of you here today drove a car, rode in a car to come to church? You rode in a car, you, brought a, you had a car, and you came to church. Okay. You are greatly blessed because do you realize that around the world, most people don't even have a car they can, tr they can travel around with. Many of them have to walk every place they go. Uh, now, how many of you here today say you have a roof over your head? You have some place to go home to after church. Raise your hand. You have an apartment. You have a house. Some place to go. Okay. You're greatly blessed. In fact, around the world, there are people today that they may have what they call homes, but they're not homes. They're huts. They're literally tin sheds that they live in with dirt floors. Um, because why? We, the good news is, we're rich. Everybody say that. The good news is what? I'm rich. I'm rich. The bad news is we're rich. And because we're rich, our riches at times will lie to us about what we can do with our riches. Our, our riches sometimes lie to us because they tell us a lot of things. They promise lots of touts and lots of things, but they never follow through with. See, the good news is you're rich. The bad news is you're rich. And you're saying, well, what good is it to be rich if it's good and bad news? Well, I told you last week, I want to ask this question. Why did God make us rich? Now, some of you right now, you're sitting there and say, this isn't for me. I'm not rich. He must be talking to somebody else in this church today because... I'm not rich. The fact is, the reason why we don't feel rich is because we don't handle the riches that God gives us maybe in the best way. We consume everything we have. So we don't feel rich, therefore we don't act rich, therefore we don't, we're not being rich. But I told you last week, last week I talked about, remember last week, I talked about tickets these tickets you get when you play these games and you get these tickets and you take these tickets and you go cash them in for prizes beyond your imaginations and dreams come true with these tickets. You've all been there. You know what I'm talking about. These amazing tickets. And I told you, whenever I pit, went and went with my family and $75 later, we got all these tickets and I walked away with this chalkboard and I drew on it said, sucker, <laughs> sucker. Because our tickets make lots of promises. And I told you last week that our tickets is in the form of this right here. Our tickets make lots of boasts about what we're going to do and how we're going to find pleasure. In fact, Satan wants us to serve these tickets. Satan wants to deceive us with these tickets. Because why? Wealth is deceitful. See, People who love and trust this never have enough because they put their hope in this. People who love and trust these tickets have money in the bank but no peace in their hearts. People who love and trust money, they find it increasingly difficult to give because why? It's mine. These tickets deceive. These tickets make lots of promises, but in the day will leave us short. Now, if you're a guest with us today, let me say welcome to Crossview we're glad you're here. You picked a great day to come. Like, great, talking about money. No, I'm not talking about money today. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about what Jesus tried to challenge us with. Because, see, here's, here's the challenge in life, is that we're all given a certain amount of tickets. It's not about how many tickets we get. It's about what we do with the tickets 
we've been blessed by giving to us. So I'll start off with an illustration to start off today's message with this. Uh, go to McDonald's. Oh, go to McDonald's. Yeah, McDonald's. How many of you like McDonald's fries? How many like McDonald's fries? It's okay. It's in church. You can admit it. How many of you think McDonald's fries are the best fries that are out there? How many of you crave McDonald's fries if you ain't had it for like two or three hours? I mean, it's, yeah, it's crazy. They, they put something in there. It's something addictive about it. But uh, so whenever we would grow up in our, our minivan life that we had growing up, uh, we would go to McDonald's, and we shared our food a lot, or we had our kids share a lot of food, and I share food, and, and we do it because I'm cheap, and I want to save money. We can eat more when we get home, um, and so we share food. So, so like one day, we go through McDonald's, we get some fries for the kids to share. Tyler and Lily just, I don't even know how old they were. They were just small, old enough to talk, old enough to understand the concept of tickets, um, and so I get the box of fries, and I, I hand them back to my daughter, Lily. Lily loves fries, and she takes the fries, and she's eating the fries, and Tyler's over there trying to get fries, but we, had the, we didn't have the bench chairs. We had like a gap in the middle, which was a godsend. You know what I'm saying? You don't want the kids on the same chair. You want them separate. And so they couldn't reach each other and touch each other, and Tyler's over there. He wants some fries, too. And I said, Lily... Give Tyler some fries. She said, my fries. <laughs> my fries. And we were like, Lily, give Tyler some fries right now. My fries. My fries. That's all she kept saying. Tyler's like, what fries? What fries? I have to reach back and grab the fries from my daughter, Lily, and pull them back and had to divide them down and give Tyler his fries and give Lily her fries, and Lily all the while thought that these were her fries. What Lily forgot to remember is I am her fry provider. <laughs> to this day, I'm still her fry provider. <laughs> Some things never change. Lily forgot that I'm her fry king. And what I say goes, and if she's not going to handle the fries that I gave her to share, well... She's going to have to give back the fries, and I'll give them to somebody else that can divvy it up and share them more equally. I say that as an illustration today because that is a lot like us. My fries. We, we, we often take the money that we're given from God, and we say, oh, my fries. Forgetting all along that God is our fry provider. He provided the work, he provided the labor, he provided the job, he provided the resources, and all he's wanting us to do is to share the fries. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Uh, just by a show of hands here today, help, help out, everybody participate with me, by a show of hands. How many of you, when you were growing up, you said, you know what, I just want to make an average, below average income. I just want to do below average income. Anybody ever growing up said, just want to make a below average income. Just, just barely make it. I just want to barely get by. I want the bill collectors to be calling me. Uh, I, have, I, want, I love talking to bill collectors. They're fun. Um, how many of you guys here today, uh, you said, you know, when I grow up, I want to have debt up to my eyeballs. That's the goal for my life, debt 
Um, I want to have a car that I'm paying on so long, it's like a college student's hanging around, never graduating, right? Well, I, wanna, I want to I wanna have a, a house loan that's so astronomical that I'm slave and I got to go work just to make my mortgage and barely live in my house. Anybody, anybody have that dream? I don't see anybody's hands going up. Huh, interesting. Isn't, isn't it interesting that's none of our dreams, no show of hands here, but how many of you are sitting in that place. You've overspent, you've overborrowed, you, you believed the fries were yours. And therefore, you consumed the fries, never really acknowledging who your fry provider was and what he wanted to do with the resources that he's given you. What's interesting is um, we never grow up thinking that we're going to be a, uh, a below average uh, a consumer, below average income maker. But I will say this, while all of us grow up and we dream about the things we're going to buy when we grow up, how many ever dreamed about having a house growing up? Dream, show of hands, how many dreamed about having a house growing up? How many ever dreamed about having your own car? How about even a dream car, like a muscle car, a fast car, something, hair going everywhere? Yeah, yeah. Dreamed about all kinds of things. Chances are, is this. Because we never really dream about it, we never do it, chances are many of us here today are below average givers, below average contributors. In fact, you know, statistically in America, only Americans only give 3%, 3% of their income to people in need or to nonprofit organizations, 3%. That's the average. In fact, there's actually a different statistic that says this. People who make less than $10,000 a year, imagine this, people who make less than $10,000 a year actually give a higher percentage. In fact, they give between 6 and 10% of their income. People who make less give more. It's interesting, isn't it? Isn't it interesting? The more we make, the less we give. The more we make, the less we give. The more fries we get, the more we think they're for us, forgetting all along that God is our fry provider. But here's some things that we excel in giving. Let me tell you where we excel in giving, because you guys, as Americans, we have some great areas we excel in giving. We excel in giving money to Walmart. We excel in giving money to a clothing store that, uh, like, you know, no offense, Gordman's. Uh, we excel in providing and giving our money away to the dealership that gets the new car for us. We excel in giving, giving our money away to the mortgage lenders. We excel in giving our money away to a lot of other areas, but not really fully benefiting or reaping the blessing that God has with our money. So question is, again, why did God make us rich? Why did God make you rich? Why did God make me rich? There's a reason to it. God put you in America. God put you in the job you have. No matter how much you hate it, no matter how much you think, I don't have paid enough, you are wealthy and rich beyond your imaginations. It's not about the money. It's about what you're doing with the tickets that God has given you. Why did God make you rich? Some of you today would say, well, God made me rich so I could have more, so I could, so I could get more cars, so I could get more clothes, so I could get to, some shoes, 
That'd be a very superficial response. But let me tell you what Scripture says. 2 Corinthians 9.11. Turn your Bibles with me to that. 2 Corinthians 9.11 says it this way. Why did God make you rich? It says this. It says, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. On how many occasions? On how many occasions? On every occasion when it comes up and through, and though, I'm sorry, and through uh, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. How cool would it be if people, when they saw you, you didn't let your right hand know what your left hand did, but when they saw you, they knew you were a generous person and they were thankful that you were. That homeless person that is trying to make ends meet, that needs a meal, instead of giving them money and say, go figure out how to get it, you'll get them a meal and you take it to them. And they say, thank God that you we're a giver and generous. We've been building this key statement over the last several weeks. The first week, here's what I said. I said this, God has, has blessed me with more than I need, I'm rich. God has blessed me with more than I need, I'm rich. That was our first week. Last week, here's what I said, but I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. I'm not gonna trust in the wealth, not gonna trust in the tickets, I'm gonna trust in God who provides everything that I need. Today, I want to add one more thing. Here's the, here's the next statement. Because I have more, I will give more. Because you have been greatly blessed, God will call you to be a blessing to others. You say, well, it's more for me. No, no, no. That's not how to be rich. That's how to be selfish. Remember what I've said over the last few weeks. Money is the number one competitor of your heart. This is the thing that will compete against God your entire life. This is the thing that will come between you and God if you allow it to, because this is the thing that will consume you. Young people, listen to me now. This is the thing that will deceive you in thinking, well, you know what? I'm going to get overtime. I'm going to work some overtime, and I'm going to work hours. I'm going to get double time. i got to miss church, but that's okay. I can find God anywhere. And one Sunday turns into two Sundays, to three Sundays. So if you find yourself never going to church, never connecting with community, because why? The riches have told you you need this more than you need the community of believers around you. It's deceived you. It's lied. It happens all the time. So the question that I have for you today is, how can I learn how to give more? Ask, say that. Say, how can I learn how to give more? Ask me. Great question. Let's talk about it today. By nature... I'm selfish. This is me. By nature, this is mine. By my human nature, this I created, and it's mine. By nature, that's me. That's human nature. From the very beginning of time, through the Garden of Eden, from the very Garden of Eden, they believed they knew better than God. And so many times, if we're not careful, we believe we know better than God in how to handle this how to funnel and manage this. Here's what happens. Here's how it deceives me. I get a raise. When I get a raise from my position or my job, the first thought is, what am I going to do with the excess money? Well, I can go on vacation. I can upgrade my car. I can maybe move into such a big raise, I can move into a bigger house. Uh, I can get some new clothes that I've desperately needed. 
And, and so we, we, we believe and we fought for the lie that we believe the lie that when we, can, when we get, we consume. The more we get, the more we consume. So how do we learn to give more money? Write this down. Number one, the first thought I have for you, you must be an intentional giver. You must be an intentional giver. What does that mean? Well, that means you have to plan it. I don't want anybody ever giving out of a knee-jerk reaction. You plan, you scheme, you plot, you budget, you figure out a way to intentionally give. Here's the thing. We're not intentional givers. You know what we are? We're intentional consumers. Think about this. Just think about it. Just go with me for a minute. If you want that flat screen TV, you want that latest flat screen TV, what do you do? You figure out a way to make it happen. You figure out a way. If you want that car, you figure up if you've got to take out a 15-year loan to get it down to 125 bucks, that's what I'm going to do. See, we scheme to consume. You go see that new pair of shoes, ladies, that I just, wow, those are amazing. What? $150? I love, I, I will not spend this on no shoes. No, I will not. If they aren't at Payless or Amazon for less than $20, I don't get them. And I'm serious. And I glue the heels together to keep them together. I'm serious. I'm preaching now. Some of you, you plan and scheme how to get a, a purse that's $100, $200. You, what, you've spent all your money. What are you going to put in it? <laughs> Think about it. We scheme to consume, but we don't scheme to give because we believe it's my fries and they're mine, so I'll do what I want with them. The reason so many people don't have is because they don't believe the words that Jesus spoke we must, be in given, we must be intentionally giving every day. Here's what 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says. It says, each man or woman should give what they have decided in their heart to give, not reluctantly nor under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. You know, I am most cheerful when I give, when I've planned and I've budgeted and I've made it by faith a point to give. So how do we give? How do we plan to give? I have two thoughts that I want to kind of share with you today. We, we will intentionally give, and here's number one, we will return to God what belongs to God. Write that down. We will return to God what already belongs to God. Well, I have some good fries here. You guys like these kind of fries, right? Next, these fries here. <clears throat> this represents our fries. And in this fry box, I have a decision to make when it comes to God. I either will return to him 10% with his blessing, or I will keep 100% thinking I can do more with 100 than God can with 90. So in my decision, I have to choose, do I return one of these to God in order that I may keep the other nine in order to do what God wants me to do and bless me in my life? Now, some of you out there are thinking, well, I don't have nine of those. I don't have 10 of those. That's okay. It's not about 
what you have. It's about what you're doing and managing with what God has blessed you. So here at Crossview, we have what we call our 90-day giving challenge, 90-day tithing challenge, whatever you want to call it. And what we challenge you to do is over the next 90 days, if you've never given, you never tithed, you've never taken 10% and dedicated it to God and planned for it and intentionally given to it, we encourage you to do that next 90 days, three months. We encourage you every time you get a paycheck, take 10% off, put it back and return it back to the, to the church, to the storehouse of God, and watch what God will do in 90 days. I am so confident, and our, our church is so confident, that God, God's word is true and it does not fail, that if at the end of 90 days you say, you know what, I'm worse off. Now listen, you can't return back to God and go out and charge a bunch of stuff up, okay? So that doesn't work. That, you can't return to God and go get a new car. That's not the way it works. What I mean is you keep living in the budget that you have right now, returning 10% back to God in 90 days. If you don't see God's blessing, we're so confident, we'll return to you everything you've given. Every time, we will do it. it will, we will not ask. We'll say, okay, didn't work. We don't know why it didn't work. We're going to blame you, actually, that it didn't work, but that's okay. Um, you know, and I'm just joking. We believe in it. I believe in it. I believe in the power of returning to God 10%. I, you ask my family. I preach it around our house. I live it in my, every day in my life. 10% returning back to God because he can do more with 90 than I can with 100. So that's the first thought. We're going to return to God. What is God? The second idea, the second thought I want to give to you is this. Not only are we going to be intentional in returning to God, what is God, but we're going to be intentional to give more and give more and give more. Because today, God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. But I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. And because I have more, I will give more. I will give more to those around me. Some of you today are already making excuses like, okay, this is a waste of my time. I should never come to church today. I can't believe I'd sit here and listen to this guy talk about money. And that's all the church is about, about money. And they always want money. Let me just, let me just kind of pull some lies down that the enemy is trying to put out there right now. He's trying to, trying to get you distracted. Let me just say right now, we do not need your money. We do not need your church. This is God's church. God will take care of it. He always has. This has nothing to do with me teaching you how to get rich. This has everything to teach me for me to help you learn that the money is the number one competitor of your heart. And if you're not careful, you will always strive for more money and you'll never have enough money to go around because you have not prioritized the 90 where the 10% needs to go and you get to live on the 90. Here's what 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says. It says, but just as you excel in everything, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. Whenever you do well with your money, whenever you handle your money, you manage your money well, you're able to help people that couldn't help themselves. You're able to do for others that couldn't do for themselves. You're able to give. It makes it easy. It makes it easy whenever um, you're at a restaurant and, and God will do these things to you. He'll present, he'll present them to you. You're at a restaurant and you're sitting there and you're eating and uh, uh, you know, the, the waitress sits down and she, she like sits at your table and it's just weird that she's sitting at your table, but she's had a rough day. She's had a rough life, rough, you know, raising her kids, trying to work on a, sec, on, a, on, a, on a waitress salary and trying to make things happen. And as you're doing the checkout, as you're checking out your bill, the Holy Spirit just says, hey, throw an extra 20 on there. Throw a foot, foot 50 on that. Just put a little extra under there and get out of here as quick as you can. Don't even let her know that's don't even let her know that you did it. Just do it. 
Some of you would say, $20, what, 20 bucks? Here's the thing, because we have more, we will give more. If you make room and mar margin inside your resources, you'll find you'll have that. I mean, how much money do we blow, $20, how much do we blow on McDonald's Cokes, right? How much do we blow on candy bars and on things? Now listen, God, God I'm not telling you those things are bad. If you buy them at the convenience store, they're bad. At the gas station, they're always bad. Okay? You got to go to Dollar General, Dollar Tree, and get your candy. What I'm saying is, the more that God blesses you with, the more you can give. So here's what I want to say. Some of you today, maybe this is your first step. You're going to start, you're going to start tithing. You're going to take 10%. You're going to take the 90-day challenge. You're going to step out and do it. What a step of faith it's going to take for you to do that. Others of you, you've been given 10% for so long, it's like breathing. It's nothing. 10% is nothing. God's going to challenge you today to give more. Some of you today have been so blessed. We have a mission trip coming up this year going to Panama. And you've been so blessed with your resources, with your fries, that God's going to say, you know what? Someone going on that trip probably doesn't have the money to go, but they're going because God laid it upon their heart to go. And so you have $1,000 that you can give. I want you to give anonymously in the, in the, for Panama for, to send someone else in your place. Since you can't go, you're going to help someone else go. I have people come up to me, not all the time, but I've had it. I've had it more frequent at times than others, especially during uh, uh, times whenever the economy is doing really bad. I've had people come up to me and they say, listen, I don't know what it is, but I just need to give blah, blah, blah to so-and-so. Can we, can, we can we do that? Can we do it anonymously? I don't want them to know it's from me. We always accommodate. We always make it happen. And I think about those people. Those are the people that Scripture was talking about. Thank God that you, in your generosity of your heart, you say, you know what, because God has given me, given me more, blessing more, I will give more to others around me. I said this story many times, and many of you know the story, but I'm going to say it again because it's just worth repeating. It's a cool story uh, about the owner and the inventor and the creator of Hobby Lobby. Um, those of you who love Hobby Lobby, give me a woohoo. <laughs> yeah, Hobby Lobby. It's one of those really eclectic places that you go into, you know what you're going to find. It's kind of like Aldi's, you know. You don't know what you're going to get at Aldi's. It's like you go in for a, a butter and some mayonnaise, you come out with a trumpet and trombone and the drums and stuff. Just weird stuff. But Hobby Lobby is one of those places that my wife really loves going to. And, you know, I've, I've, I've had times where I want to decorate that I go and I get ideas. It's really cool to go in there. But the owner and founder of, of Hobby Lobby, he was a, he's a great Hobby Lobby, one of the, one of the strongest Christian-owned uh, businesses that we have in our country today, fought against the health care, fought against a lot of things that the government's trying to do. They've spearheaded and financed a lot of battles in the court system to keep the government outside of private companies, and, and it's been really, really great. But all that could not happen if not years ago, whenever they started the company, um, he believed in the power of tithing, and he believed that he wanted God to bless his company, and he prayed and he, taught, he, he made a, not a deal with God, he just had a heart. I'm not going to say he made a deal with God whatsoever because I don't believe that that really is necessarily true. I think that he just had this desire to give more. So what he said is he said, God, I know in your scripture, you, you, you let me live on 90, I give you 10% back and I get to live on 90, but God, as I move forward every year, I want to give more and more back as you 
increase my faith and as you increase my, uh, my revenues and as the, uh, the company increases, I'm going to return more and give more and more back. Because his heart's desire and his goal was that he would live on 10% and give 90% back to God. And he did it. He accomplished that. You say, well, yeah, but he had a big stack. He had a lot of fries. He could do it. No, no, no. He still had the same amount of fries. He just learned how to manage the fries better. He remembered who was the fry king, who was the keeper of the resources. And he returned back to God. What was God? God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. But I will not trust in the riches, but in him who richly provides. Because God has blessed me the more, I will give more and give more and give more. Bow your heads to me today. Father, help us today to be able to see that, that God, we don't own it. We're just keepers and managers of it. Let our fries that you have blessed us with, however great or small they are, let us honor you with them. Let us put you first in our finances so that God, these carrots we chase after in life, these, these, this constant pursuit of more doesn't lead us into a path that destroys us because God, we've consumed everything we've had. Teach us to be good stewards and good managers of your resources with your head bowed, eyes closed. You know, there's some here today, you're just going to be very honest. You're like, I have consumed everything. I have lived on thinking it was all mine. I just kind of done it all for myself. And I'm in a horrible financial mess. I am drowning. I don't answer my phone because the credit card collectors, the bill collectors are calling. I, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I'm drowning financially. I feel the anxiety. I feel the stress. I feel it all. Listen, you're here today. I want you to know that God is a God of second, third, and fourth, and a hundred chances. He's a God who sees where you're at financially, and he wants to help you. He wants to help you, but you first have to admit you need the help. With head bowed and eyes closed here today. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I'm not going to call any attention to you whatsoever. Just right there where you're at, your head bowed, eyes closed. You say this. Just say, God, forgive me. I have treated my, I have treated the, the money, the resources you've given me as my own. I didn't acknowledge that you're my provider. So today, God, help me put you first in my finances. Return to you what's yours. Bless the 90 that I have. Give me wisdom about how to manage it well. God, I'll watch you do amazing things because I believe you're the keeper of the fries. Father, thank you for all of your goodness. Thank you for your, your spirit speaking to us. And I just pray that, Lord, You'll guide us and help us navigate this very challenging place of carrots in our lives that constantly try to distract us and destroy us and take us down. Can we keep our eyes on you? Know that, God, you want the best for us financially, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. 
You have been listening to a ministry of Crossview Church in Keokuk, Iowa with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. For more information about service times and activities, visit our website, crossviewkeokuk.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.